All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We are finishing this week. We are finishing our summer series in parables. It's hard to believe this is still summer. Does anybody even feel like it's summer? You, you teachers don't feel like it's summer because you were teaching over the summer, and summer doesn't feel like summer. But it's still August. We're, <laughs> we're still waiting for, actually, we haven't waited for the school year to start. Uh, Orange Unified is in, is in school, and so we are running full tilt ahead. But this is our last week in our summer series in the parables. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 and once you find that, whether you're looking at it on your phone or whether you're looking at it on a, a Bible in your pew or you're going to look at it on the, on the screen, uh, our practice here is that let's stand together in honor of God's word as I read this out loud for us. Chapter 7, verse 20, the word of the Lord. Who hears mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against it, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. This is God's word. Amen? And amen. You may take a seat. You know, this is one of the most straightforward parables of Jesus. You know, you listen to me, you do what I say, it's going to go well. You don't listen to me it's not going to go well. I suppose we could dismiss there, and we could just say, go, God bless you, and be out of here. And some of you guys are like, yeah, all right, lunch is early. Um, and really, there's, a, there's, a, there's an elegance in the simplicity of this parable. We've heard a lot of parables this summer, right? And some of them are a little convoluted, and they take time to develop, but there's a real simple elegance to this particular parable. And I would, I would venture to guess, if you followed Jesus for some time, or even if you're just visiting and you've heard anything teaching about Jesus, you may have heard and be familiar with this particular parable. The wise man builds his house on a rock, a foolish man builds his house on a sand, and what I want to do today is simply make some, reflect, some observations about this parable, take us to the world of Jesus and what he was saying about this, and then allow for some time of reflection about where our foundation is in our life, where we are drawing our stability from as we go through this life, as the storms come. And it's, I suppose, one of the things we do, and we, um, we, we always talk about getting in the Wayback Machine, because Jesus lived 2,000 years ago on a different continent, speaking a different language, and we have to somehow bridge that as we understand what he's saying, and there's a little bit of a distance between this parable in our lives. And Kenneth Bailey, who's a scholar, lives in the Middle East and makes note of the sort of distance there is between us today and this parable. And he, he says this, for us today, this parable may have lost a little impact. In the modern Western world, a person who wants to build a house hires a backhoe and digs a foundation. 
Concrete for the foundation is poured, and a slab is poured, almost creating their own foundation. It's on an excavated pad. There's prefabricated cinder blocks are delivered on a truck. Rebar is placed in there. Other building supplies and materials are delivered and unloaded by equipment, wood studs and plywood of standardized lengths. Wall plaster comes in sheets, roofing in bundles. And when it arrives on a truck, it's power lifted up onto the roof to use. Trusses are factory made to specification and are delivered and, under, and unloaded with power equipment. With all this efficiency in our world, it still takes quite a bit of effort to build a house. How many of you, and I'm, I'm curious about this, how many of you have built your own house? I see a couple of hands. Okay, good. That, that's excellent. I, I actually, I thought there might be more because I know you guys are all very able do-it-yourselfers in this congregation, right? And you might, you might have taken on different, there's, I, I see that hand. I, I'm an evangelist too, Dave. I see you. Okay. Um, and so, one of the things we might not necessarily do, like if you're me, you live in a house without really thinking about its construction. I don't spend really any time thinking about the slab necessarily that my house is built on. I don't really think about much about what's behind the walls. And I don't know about you and how much time and energy you might think about the, the construction or even when your house was built. You, someone else owned it maybe before you. Maybe you built it. Maybe you were the first owner. Or maybe you're in a long line of people who have lived on that property in that house. We don't necessarily think about that. And I am not a home builder. I don't know about you. I, I even, I shudder at do-it-yourself projects. Like, I, I always think twice about a do-it-yourself project, okay? How many trips to Home Depot will it take? Probably double digits for me. I know everybody just goes to the Home Depot one time. You get exactly what you need and you never return, right? No, we all have experience going back over time. Um, Jesus, on the other hand, was a builder. Jesus is described in Mark chapter 6. They said, this, isn't this the builder? Isn't he? And we, we, uh, he's also described in Matthew that they say, isn't this the son of the builder? The son of the carpenter? And that word builder, this word tectone, it can be, we, probably in, in, in Western Christian lore, Jesus is a carpenter. That word, though, li means literally, most generally, a builder. And builders who build houses build with whatever is really on hand. And if you lived in Israel and you were a builder, you probably were not as much a carpenter as you were a stonemason. Because you built houses, not, excuse me, not with studs and, and drywall, you built them with stones that were cut out to fit, or stones from the field and you would put them together. And so Jesus was a builder. And Jesus as a builder and as a son of a builder would have seen all sorts of attempts at home building. And so Jesus is going to put his expertise and common best practices to use as he tells this particular parable, this story. And one of the most important things for all houses is, what's the, what are the first three rules of real estate? Location, location, location. Right? Those are the first three rules of real estate. Those are the first three rules of home building is location. And so Jesus is going to talk about 
two locations, two locations where a person can build. The wise will build on rock, and the foolish will build on sand. And this is important for us. As we think about the first hearers of this parable, what we need to understand is that Jesus is doing something here when he says, a wise man builds his house on rock. Everybody would have said yes. No, there's nobody in the congregation, in, in whoever was listening to Jesus, there was no one who was saying, what's this guy talking about building on rock? Everybody would have known if you build wherever you build, you either build on top of rock or you dig down to bedrock or whatever it is, you go to rock. That was very well understood. And then Jesus is going to say something preposterous that everybody would have said, that's moronic. And that is that someone would actually try to build their house on sand. When Jesus says that, he's anticipating that everybody is going to say, that is idiotic. No one in their right mind would build on sand. And this is where we might lose a little bit of contact with Jesus and our world today. Because in Southern California, when you think of sand, where do you think? Beach. And where are the most expensive houses in Southern California? What are the most desirable locations? Beach. I mean, you have old islands in Newport Harbor that are all sand, right? And so for us, the, the, the invention of concrete and rebar and cinder block and all of that, all of the developed technologies of home building have allowed people to, to literally build their house on sand. And so people look at this parable and they're like, well, I thought building by the sand is where you had the good life, right? You have the good life if you build your house on by the beach, right? And so what we need to do is as we think about not losing contact with Jesus here, Jesus would not have known as much. I mean, there were beaches there. We don't really have any really uh, evidence that Jesus did go to Israel by the beach, like Caesarea is by the beach, and there's, there's land down there where there's, sand, where there's sand. But there's really only one other place other than the beach in Israel where there is sand. There's only one other place. So when Jesus is talking about building your house on the sand, He's not talking about the beach. And even then, building your house on the beach in the ancient world was not a great idea. Okay? So even today, we, have, we figure out the tides. And even then, when it's high tide and there's a storm out at sea, we saw this a couple weeks ago, right? Like there's people with waves crashing on their, on their windows. Okay? And I guess that's a calculated risk you might take if you lived right on the water. Okay? But Jesus isn't talking about building a house on the beach, the only other place where there was sand is in what they call wadis. Now, if you've been to Israel, how many people have been to Israel? We're going to go next September as a church. We're going to have a trip to Israel. And one of the places that we'll see is that Israel is a very dry land, but it's all, it, it starts at the beach, and it goes up into the mountains, and Jerusalem is at the top of the mountain range, about 4,000 feet. It snows in Jerusalem in the winter. Okay, um, and then you go off quickly on the eastern side down to the Dead Sea. And from this mountain range, you have these little tracks, these little valleys that are cut out. And these, these valleys are not cut out because there are streams or rivers or springs. They are cut out because of erosion and irrigation. When it rains on the top of a mountain, the water has to run down. 
And when it runs down, it goes down to low places, and it cuts out what they call these wadis. A wadi is like an arroyo, maybe. I don't know, what's a good word for a, a dry riverbed in Southern California? Yeah, and a, 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 the Santa Ana River is what we call it, right? <laughs> right, that's, that's what it is, okay? And so these would not be running spr springs all year long. They were seasonal washes. Now, there, was a, there were some great things about these seasonal washes. It provided very flat land. If you go down to the bottom of a canyon, it's nice flat land. And if you were going to build, you have this nice flat land. Building on the side of a mountain is not easy. But if you want to build in Israel, you build on mountains. You build on the side of a mountain. It's not easy to do. But if you go down to flat land, it's easier to do. And you know what? Building on flat land in a dry area, you could live for nine months of the year pretty safely, pretty well. The problem is in rainy season, okay? Rainy season is the problem. And Israel is actually a very, is very similar to the climate here. And we, we've been in a drought, right? If you go down to the, San, to, the, to the Santa Ana Riverbed, you may or may not see water. It's a river, but you may or may not see water. And it's very similar to what's going on down by our house. We have the San Diego Creek that runs through um, right between Alton and Barranca. And we have the San Diego Creek that runs through. Right now, you can, you can walk right down to the bottom of the creek, okay? But one of the things that we find is that these riverbeds in Orange County and in Southern California, as well as in Israel, when it rains, it floods. When it rains, it floods. And we've seen the riverbed go way, I mean, we've seen some pretty nasty, I mean, real flood that comes through. And this is the point that Jesus is making. So we experience something like that here in the riverbed, like the Santa Ana River. Dry mostly, but when it rains, it floods. And in the Santa Ana Riverbed, what's there? Sand. It's no Newport Beach, right? It's no Newport Beach. So the really, there's a really interesting phenomenon in Israel. So in Israel, when it rains at the top in Jerusalem, the water runs off. And if you are on the western side of the mountains, you can see the storm coming. Because all the storms come from the west in Israel. They come in from the Mediterranean. And as they come in, you see them coming, and you know that it's going to rain up here and the water's going to come off. Now, if you live on the eastern side, the east, the desert side, here's the deal. It's a really interesting phenomenon in Israel, that if it rains in Jerusalem, the runoff will make it down to the Dead Sea before you ever know that it rained before you can ever see any clouds on the horizon because it's so hot. And so if it's raining in Jerusalem and you live down at like Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found or you live in En Gedi or you live down by the Dead Sea, you might not ever know that it's raining, but the flood is coming. When we were in Israel, we were at Qumran, which is a site where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and there's a wadi there. It's built right on the side of a wadi. It's built up because they're smart people, right? It's lasted 2,000 years, although the Romans took them out. We can go on to that later. But all that to say, it's totally bone dry, bone dry. You can go on YouTube, and you can type in Qumran rain. And when, when that happens, it is just a waterfall. And we heard cautionary stories that there were people who were rock climbing and rappelling in that wadi that didn't check the weather in Jerusalem that day. 
and that it rained in Jerusalem, they had no idea that it was raining. And all of a sudden, a wall of water comes down and takes them out. And whenever you travel down by the Dead Sea, you always have to check, not the weather at the Dead Sea, you check the weather in Jerusalem, 4,000 feet up, back, so that you can figure out if you're going to get washed out by a flood or if there's going to be any flash flooding. You have to check the weather. But in the ancient world, you couldn't check the weather. And Jesus says, look, the wise person builds on, on the rock, but the foolish person is going to build in a wadi. Now, here's the thing. Everybody who hears Jesus say that is like, what idiot builds their house in the middle of the Santa Ana Riverbed? What idiot will do that? And everybody understands that what Je the point that Jesus is going to be making is not that you don't understand what's wise and foolish. The point is that he's going to make is you might not know the difference, what dif differentiates the wise and foolish, and what he's going to do is he's going to make the claim that it is his teachings, and you're hearing them and doing them, is what makes the difference between the wise and the foolish. Nobody's debating that you don't build your house on the sand, right? Nobody's debating that. Jesus is saying the difference between wise and foolish is what you do with me, with my teaching. Not with my teaching. Obviously, I, that would be a little arrogant to say, wouldn't it? For me to say, like, you're a fool if you don't listen to me. But Jesus, being the Son of God, being God's representative on this earth, says, look, if you want to know the difference between walking the path of wisdom and walking the path of folly, the two ways, you need to know that listening to me, hearing and doing what I say, and my teachings, that is what differentiates. So when it rains, there are flash floods. Jesus says this. There, if you look back at the parable, he talks about in both these cases, the, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. He's talking about flash flooding. And that's what's happening here. All right. So my, the first question, and this is the first question, then we're going to make a couple observations. So this is the most obvious thing to say, and I want to make sure that we understand this and we hear this well. The first and foremost question is, are you building your life on the teachings of Jesus? It's, it's a very simple question. And there are times in our lives where maybe early in our life, we, we really paid close attention to that, but there are some times where we kind of lose track over time. That maybe there's other things that I'm doing that are not really about the teaching of Jesus, or they're beyond the teaching of Jesus, or they don't really take into account the teaching of Jesus. And the first question to us today, to myself, is are you building your life on the teachings of Jesus? Now, we'll get back to that at the end, but here's a couple of things I want to point out about this parable. These two builders have more in common than they do differences. The wise and the foolish have more in common than they do in differentiation. Let me explain, okay? And, and here's what, here's what we, we want to make note from the parable. As we read the parable, look at verse 26. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And then go down to verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, and does not do them 
will be like a foolish man. What do they both have in common? Both hear. Both hear. The wise and the foolish, they both will hear and pay attention to Jesus. They will hear. When Jesus is giving this sermon, the sermon, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous teachings of Jesus. And what he's saying is that everybody can hear the sound of my voice. Everybody can hear the sound of my voice. And that might be true when we think about the world that we live in. That many, many people have heard the words of Jesus and know the words of Jesus. What distinguishes the wise from the foolish is not that there are people who don't hear the word of Jesus. What, we, what Jesus is saying is, you will hear the words. The difference is doing, following, putting into practice the things that Jesus says. Everyone hears. Another thing that everyone does, these two have in common. What else do they have in common? Everyone then who hears these words of mine then and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then verse 26, everyone who, do, who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What else do they have in common? They both build. There is not a person on this earth that is not building their life. Everyone builds. It's the one common thing among all humans. Everyone is building their life. They, you are doing things. You have certain sensibilities about putting certain things into practice. You have certain ideas about how to decorate your house. You have certain ideas about how to treat people. You have certain ideas about what your words mean when you speak them out. You have certain ideas about what to do with your resources in your life. Everyone is building. Every person is building their life. Everyone needs a home, and in this case, what Jesus is implying is that everyone needs to live their life. And there, need, there needs to be guiding sensibilities. What am I going to do for, as, a, as a vocation? What am I going to do for a living? What am I going to do with my family? What am I going to do with my humanity? What am I going to do with my sexuality? What am I going to do with the things that matter in my life? What am I going to do with these things? Am I going to find a wife? Am I going to find a husband? Am I, what am I, how am I, how am I going to treat them? What am I going to do with my children? How am I going to educate them? Everyone is building a life. And everyone needs to build. What Jesus says here is that everybody hears. And everybody's building. Everybody's building. One more thing. There's one more thing that both of these builders have in common. And that comes down, look in verse 25. This is about the first building, the wise builder, the one on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew on that house, but it did not fall. Look at verse 27. And the rain fell, this is on the, the unwise builder, the foolish builder. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. Everybody hears. Everybody's building. And everybody's going to have a storm. Everybody. If you haven't yet in your life 
the storm is coming. And I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know one house stands, one house falls. In a life that, is, that listens to Jesus and hears and puts into practice, when the storm comes, people lean into Jesus. I know of other people who have not built their life on Jesus. They've not built a life of faith. And when the storm comes, they question God. God, how can you do this to me? Or they, or they, get, they get angry. They, they move away from God. They move away from people. And I have to think that in some ways what Jesus is saying here is that the nature of your building is going to the storms of life are going to produce different results when they come. I have a friend, this last, these last two weeks, he has COVID. He's a pastor, great friend of our family, good friend of mine. And it's, it was not good. It's not good. I mean, he's still in the hospital today. He's on the rebound. But it was not looking good. I mean, it was bad. His pulse ox was going low. It was close to being put on a ventilator. So his wife called a few friends, and what are we doing? We're in a parking space because we can't go in. We can't go in. I tried to pull the pastor card. Sometimes you just do this. Like you walk into the, the lobby of the hospital and you say, um, I tried this like, hey, Mar I'm, I'm Mark's pastor. I tried that. It was awful. Um, I, I'm Mark's pastor. Can I see him? And they were like, no, he's on a no-see list. And you can't go up to the sixth floor because it's ICU. It's COVID, everybody. Come on, right? But sometimes you never know. Like sometimes you can get in. I'm like, I should try. I should at least try. Okay? I've gotten in to see some of you. I had no business getting into your room. Okay? I, I know that for a fact. Okay? But here's the deal. We ended up, we're in a parking, a parking slot in the emergency room at Hogue Hospital, Irvine, praying and singing songs. Because when you build your life on the solid rock of Jesus, when you hear the words of Jesus, and you put it into practice, and the storm comes, what do you do? You cling to him. You don't question, you don't, you don't say, God, what are you doing? You say, I knew the storm was coming. You told me the storm was coming, and the storm is here. I will cling to you. What does it look like to cling? It means you gather together, you pray, you sing songs, you worship, you ask God because you know he's your father. You know that God is a good God. You know he's your father. And so you approach him as a father. You ask, you don't say, I'm going to trade you my righteousness for a favor here. Can you do me a favor, God? No, you ask because you know that God sees you and loves you and there is no shortage of compassion in God. But it takes, it takes time to build that foundation in our lives, doesn't it? It takes community to be around us, to remind us, no, God is good, we go to him right now. It takes time to be willing to stand in a parking lot and pray for somebody while, every, while shift changes are going on and we're just got a guitar and we're singing in the parking lot, right? Like, that, that takes practice. And Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you will be prepared on the day of the storm. Here's the problem. And we know this because we live in Southern California. 
you can live in the Santa Ana Riverbed for nine months. I mean, heck, it's been a drought for a couple of years. You could, you could have built a three-story house in the middle of the Santa Ana Riverbed. You could have done it. You could have started at the beginning of COVID, and you would have had no problems at all. And you might, you might then be like, hey, what's all these people's problem? Like, everything's fine. Everything's going great until the big storm comes. And this is what Jesus is saying. Everyone hears. Not everybody does. And it might be great for a while. But there is a storm coming. And whether it's a storm in our lives, of the circumstances of our lives, like sickness, illness, or death, or maybe even a storm of our own making, we make a bad decision and it affects our families and we find ourselves in some kind of relational trauma that we caused. Or maybe somebody else perpetrates something against us, like it's outside of our control. Sometimes it's a storm of our own making, sometimes it's a storm that we can't control, sometimes it's a storm that even God will bring into our lives, but the storm is coming. And whether it's in our own lives or maybe it's at the end of our lives, that one day we will stand before Jesus. And that might be the storm. One way or another, what separates the wise builder whose house stands in the storm and the foolish builder whose house is destroyed in the storm is what they do with Jesus. And Jesus challenges you just heard you just heard my teaching you just heard the sermon on the mount you just heard all of these things you just heard the beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit you just heard you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world we think about what jesus said in the sermon on the mount he had teaching on the danger of anger and slander he offered teacher on the danger of justifying cheating on your spouse in body or mind he offered teaching on the injustice of men leaving their wives in divorce. He offered teaching on having integrity in your speech. He offered teaching on the perils of pursuing revenge. He offered teaching on loving your enemies. He offered teaching on generous and secret giving. He offered teaching on prayer and fasting. He offered teacher on the danger of laying up corruptible treasures and the corrosiveness of anxiety. The perils of aggressive judging. He taught about a narrow gate and a wide gate. He taught about good fruit and bad fruit. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts it into practice will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And I suppose as we, as we finish up, there are times, look, there are times when, for me, I'm super, super attentive. You're like, of course you are, pastor. You're supposed to be attentive to your spiritual life. Like, but there are times where I'm like, I'm cruising along, and I'm not paying as close attention. And I don't know if you're like that. Maybe I'm alone in that. I'm alone in that. I'll just own it myself. You all are great. You're always attentive to your spiritual life. That's fine, okay? I get it. It's me. I'll talk, about, I'll talk to myself for a second, okay? There are times where I'm not attentive, okay? 
And there are times where, and I was, I was, I was reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount just this morning, and I was like, okay, I've been attentive about that, but I really haven't been as attentive about that. And this morning, I just, I just want to invite us to hear the words of Jesus, and not just to hear the words of Jesus, but to take a little account, to do a little diagnostic and say, where have I not been attentive? And to simply say the difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder is not hearing the word, but doing. And one of the great things about this two-path, what Jesus says about there's a wise and a foolish, is part of this what we call the, the two ways uh, wisdom of the, of the Jewish tradition. And the two ways tradition is that there's a way of the wise and the way of the foolish. The way of the wise is oriented towards God. There's a, there's a fundamental question in our lives and in Jewish teaching is that is your life just fundamentally oriented towards God? Like, is it oriented towards God or is it not oriented towards God? And that could be, like, if, if orientation towards God is like that, non-orientation is just maybe a degree off or 45 or 90 degrees off or 180 degrees off and you're walking away. Like, whatever it is, if you're not oriented towards God, the call in Hebrew, the call in Hebrew culture is to turn. And the word turn is the word repent, to just turn towards God, to orient towards him. And the call that Jesus is making here is simply to say this. If there's, if, if as we do this diagnostic and you're like, look, I have not been as attentive in this area. I might not be way off or even walking away, but I'm just not attentive to it. What Jesus is saying is like, it's, this is an opportunity simply to reorient. And to say, I am going to hear and I am going to do. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to reorient. I'm going to repent. Repentance sounds like such a harsh word. The, the meaning of it, I don't want to make it harsh. I just want to say, like, you might be a degree off or, a, or 90 degrees off or whatever it is. It's just a matter, I'm going to reorient. I'm going to turn toward God in this matter. And I don't know what it is. But as I was reading off maybe the Sermon on the Mount, maybe something stuck. Maybe there was something that you were like, boy, I, I, I didn't remember that in the Sermon on the Mount. I really didn't, I haven't really been paying attention to that. I don't know whether it's slander or whether, whether it's lust in your mind, or maybe even it's adultery, or maybe, it's, maybe there's, it's just about your words and the power of your words and the integrity of your words. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I don't know what it is, and I'm not, I'm not saying one way or another what, if there's anything worse or not. I'm just saying this is an opportunity for us as we hear from Jesus to simply say, I'm going to reorient, and I'm going to bring my life under the authority of Jesus, and I'm simply going to say, Jesus, I have not been paying attention to this, and I now am going to say, I'm going to follow you in this. I want to be a wise person. I want to build my life in wisdom. Jesus uses the example of the foolish builder because everybody's like, well, that's dumb. And he's like, well, if you're not listening to me, you're just like that guy. And you might be thinking, I'm, not, I'm no dummy. And I just want, I, I simply want to reiterate the words of Jesus. If you're not hearing him and doing what he says, you are like that foolish builder. The storm will come. And I simply want to say this is an opportunity to reorient. Let's pray together. Father, we come today and we're, we are so thankful for Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of who you are. He is your son. You sent him to communicate what you are like and who you are. 
we would be lost without his revelation. And that's why we come here weekly, every week, to worship and to acknowledge the supremacy of Jesus and your love for us and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, I just simply want to pray in my own life that you would reveal to me the things that I've been inattentive to that Jesus has taught. And as you reveal those things, Father, I pray for myself and also for my friends here today that we would hear and that we would put things in practice. And maybe the first thing in practice is simply to reorient. To turn towards you. To fundamentally turn towards you. To move forward in our lives by being in your word every day, praying to you, going to you. And Father, we pray for every person in here that is in the middle of a storm. That they are disoriented in some way. That you have, for some reason or another, there is some kind of storm that they are in the middle of, we ask that you would be, that your presence would be felt by them, that there would be a great comfort, that you would move them in the direction that you would have them go. Father, we ask, give us the endurance to build correctly and wisely. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.